This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your very first purchase. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to continue our series looking ahead at the upcoming season for 2020 and how A&M schedule stacks up in the ranks of easiest compared to the SEC East. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show. I do love personal feedback, and any single time you can give me something to better my chances of making this show a more quality-sounding podcast, I always love that feedback. Number two, make sure you're following us at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things related to the 12th man found in College Station. Give us a follow, subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen to us live on LockedOnPodcast.com. As we've mentioned in the past couple shows, we here at the Locked On Podcast Network have seen the racial injustices going on in the world today, and we want to do our part. So every single donation you have, whether it's through our system here at Locked On Podcast, or it's from one of the other areas that you want to donate to. Every dollar you donate, send us a link, send us a a pay stub, and we will match your dollar up to $10,000 to contribute to the funds of either the Black Lives Matter, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, or Campaign Zero. You can donate to these charities at blacklivesmatter.com, naacpldf.org, or joincampaignzero.org. And if you have another company you would like to donate to, send us in that pay stub. We will match you dollar for dollar. Let us all together, listeners and hosts, do our part to help stop with the racial injustices going on in America today. We're talking about the SEC East today. As we aforementioned last week, Tom Fornelli of CBS Sports came out and did his strength of schedule for every team ranked In every single conference. He started with the SEC, but he did every Power 5 conference. And I think he even did the AAC, if I'm not mistaken. So, this is very well done work for him. It's something that we've seen, I've seen him do for a very long time. And I'm very pleased with how his rankings kind of go. Because he breaks down the biggest games. But, for Texas A&M, after last season, they had one of the toughest years. It only got tougher throughout the season. Keep in mind... The Aggies had to face off against every team in the SEC West, which when you break it down is a juggernaut in itself, plus South Carolina, the team they face every year from the SEC East, and they got the short end of the stick by playing former national champions Clemson, uh, national champion runner-up, and pretty much consensus SEC East winner every single year, Georgia. So they ended up facing against five number top five teams and three number one teams all throughout the 2019 campaign. So naturally, it's going to be a little easier every year with teams like Vanderbilt and Colorado taking the place of the Bulldogs and the Tigers. However, is it one of the lesser known games this year? According to Fornelli, the Aggies will come in with the 12th hardest ranked schedule in the SEC. The only two below them are SEC East teams, so we'll save it. So no matter what, in the SEC West, A&M has the easiest schedule 
on their way to possibly Atlanta. On paper, you can see it. You understand the reasoning. You understand that with the veteran talent coming back, it's a lot like LSU in 2019. While the Tigers had some very tough games against teams like Texas and the SEC West in general, they were a veteran team. So they're going to have, I think, an easier, more relaxed chance of continuing the process. But you take out games against former national champion Clemson, a front runner every single year, Georgia, and you switch them out with a dismantled Colorado team who saw their top players go to the NFL draft and their head coach Mel Tucker leave in the middle of the night to go to Michigan State because of Mark D'Antonio's resign resignment. And you replace that also with Vanderbilt, who has Derek Mason, who a lot of people were calling for his firing last year. He's going to be on a short leash. Maybe that does play into it. But more importantly, how does this rank up against the SEC East teams? Well, why don't we start off with the team that AM will face the most and have since they joined the SEC with South Carolina. They come in with the fourth hardest schedule to begin the year. The most difficult stretch for South Carolina's 2020 season stacks up against any other stretches in the country. In November, the Gamecocks get Georgia at home, then play LSU on the road a week later. Then, after a chance to catch a break with Wofford, South Carolina finishes up the year on the road against Clemson. This means the Gamecocks played both their last season title games participants. This, um, this schedule isn't ranked higher because of their non-conference games against Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. So the reasoning why South Carolina comes in at number four is because of their non-conference games. They start the year off playing against the likes of Coastal Carolina, the Chanteliers, at home. Then they take on ECU. Then they start SEC play. They have Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, uh, Tennessee before taking a bye week in the middle of October. Then they come back and face A&M at South Carolina. Go to Vanderbilt. Go uh, post-Georgia. Go to Baton Rouge. Come back and play Wofford. Close out the year against Clemson. In reality, if Ryan Helensky can play well, this is probably a six-win team. I mean, you, you look at the roster just on paper. Missouri's a, Missouri, you have no idea what you can expect with Eli Drinkwitz taking over and a brand new system coming in, all new players. Coast Carolina should be a win. ECU should be a win. Kentucky's more than likely a loss. Tennessee's not a bad team either. A&M should be a loss. Vanderbilt should be a win. Wofford should be a win. So that's five wins they should get. Missouri's the toss-up. I'd throw maybe Kentucky and Tennessee as toss-ups for them. But this is a 5-6 win team. When you look on paper, compared to the two, A&M has already faced off against Clemson. This is a day, a yearly thing for South Carolina. They always face Clemson, so it's their rivalry game in-state. I don't really consider that as part of the schedule this year because it's always for them. But you look at the other game, Eastern Carolina and uh, Coastal Carolina. I mean, maybe it's a little stronger than North Texas and... Fresno State, Coastal Carolina would match pretty well, I think, with you know with uh, North Texas. Then you have Eastern Carolina probably matches well with Fresno. The Wofford game is much like Abilene Christian. You know, it's kind of just a game at the end of the year that you just say, "I'll oh, screw it." But for A and M, it's at the start. I say this is a push um, in favor of South Carolina right now. I don't think South Carolina's schedule is that difficult outside of Georgia. And Florida, because you have no idea what to expect from LSU. If LSU is really good and they can rebound this upcoming year, I think that LSU is at best a nine-win team. 
There's too many holes that they lost with the coaching staff that enough people are not talking about. It's not about just players. You can recruit and regroup on players all the time. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, you can replace that talent every single season. But if coaches struggle to make that jump from either a assistant to a coordinator or you know they, they bring in a new guy to bring in his system to try and fit the mold, all that plays a factor into a team's success. And with Joe Brady and Dave Aranda now gone at LSU, I don't know what to expect. I think South Carolina's schedule is a lot easier than Fernelli gives them. But again, they play Clemson, and they play Georgia, and they play Florida. If all three of them are good, those are easily three losses. They're on a fourth with A&M, and then depending on LSU, that's five. So you're looking at automatically a 7-5 and five team at best with South Carolina. A&M's a 10-2, bare minimum. That's the worst A&M should be. We still got six more schools to break down in the SEC East. How do they compare to A&M? Don't go anywhere. We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And much like you, I am a health-conscious guy trying to stay in shape during quarantine. But you always got to have your daily dose of breakfast foods. And for me, who's always on the run, I found a tasty new treat in Built Bars. Built Bar is an amazing protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar and comes in 16 amazing different flavors. My personal favorites include the mint chocolate chip and the salted caramel. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is not only good, but it's good for you. And it's covered in the chocolate that everyone loves. Plus, not only will it help you lose weight, it can help you maintain weight as a delicious treat. Take, for instance, the peanut butter brownie bar. It comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 net carbs. You're not going to find another treat like that out here. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your first order. That code is locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So whatever you're doing to stay in shape during this quarantine offseason, make sure you're using it with Built Bar. Not only will you see results, but you'll have a tasty treat to start your day off right. Giggum y'all. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports teams every single day? If so, why not listen to a Locked On podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and up-to-date information and highlights to get you ready for fantasy sports season. So go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, Go to LockedOnPodcast.com and start listening to your favorite team's podcast today. We're talking strength of schedule for Texas A&M against the other teams in the SEC, and we started this off pretty strong with South Carolina, the team A&M faces every year. Why don't we move to the team in the SEC East that they will face this year that they didn't get to face last year, and that'd be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is coming in hot. They're coming in as the third hardest schedule, according to Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports. While Vandy's non-conference doesn't have, um, feature a heavyweight, it's solid. The Commodores will face uh, play at Kansas State, as well as home games with Colorado State, Louisiana Tech, and Mercer. In conference, they draw Texas A&M and Ole Miss from the West while playing Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri on the road within the division. Also, likes Arkansas, Vandy helps out by having uh, having itself on the schedule. So you look at the schedule, start off the year, game against Mercer to start off pretty strong, 
Missouri, Kansas State, Colorado State all follows with then right after that, Georgia, Ole Miss, Kentucky before they get a bye week. They could easily go one and uh, five during this run. One and six, my bad. They could easily go one and six. Mercer, they could get a win. Missouri, depending on how they look, this is a brand new Vanderbilt team. They lost all their key players last year. Keyshawn Vaughn was really the only standout on offense. He's now down in Tampa. Missouri, same thing. Maybe they get a win. Maybe this is the one other game. They're going to lose to Kansas State. I love what Chris Kleiman's done in Manhattan. I think he's done a great job taking over for the likes of Bill Snyder. Colorado State, that's a toss-up, but they have Steve Adazio, the former coach for BC, taking over the reins. I think that's a good fit for him. Georgia, at Georgia, that's a loss. Ole Miss in Nashville, it's a close game. If fans are allowed to be in the stands, that's only about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, three-hour drive for Ole Miss fans. They'll do that. Game against Kentucky at Kroger Field, that's a loss. South Carolina, again, this is a toss-up game. If Alinsky plays well, I think that this is an easy win for South Carolina. If he doesn't, uh, this could go either way. Florida, loss. A&M at A&M, loss. Louisiana Tech, I think that's a win. And they'll close out the year with Tennessee. This is, at best, I think, a four-win team. Derek Mason has this team in all different areas right now. He doesn't have a focal plan. And with the season and how the offseason's gone, and what we've already seen, that there are teams moving in an opposite direction with the way that their schedules are set up uh, because of the COVID-19 with their offseason stuff. It just feels like it's a swing and a miss. It really does. It feels like it's a swing and a miss for the likes of the Commodores. And Derek Mason, I, I think you're a great defensive-minded guy. I think what you did for Stanford in the early 2010s was phenomenal, but I just don't see you as the fit in Vanderbilt in Nashville anymore. I think they got to go offensive mind. That's the way the SEC is starting to go. And if I think Mike Leach's system works, they're going to go out and they're going to go get a West Coast guy to try and bring it to the SEC East. That's just my personal opinion. Next up, Tennessee. Tennessee has the number two hardest schedule to start the year. Tennessee's game against Oklahoma on the road is more difficult than Arkansas's game against Notre Dame by metric, but The Vols' other non-conference games don't quite match up as well as Arkansas, who came in at number one. The Vols get Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. They also get Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Neither appears on Arkansas' schedule. Only one can that that proved to be the difference at the end. Tennessee must play three, uh, three teams who have been in the college ball playoff last year, and two of those are on the road. It's not going to be easy in Knoxville. I'm automatically going to say this right now. Tennessee has a harder schedule than Alabama, uh, than A&M. It's easy. Charlotte, they're a rising team. They're not going to win, but I think the Charlotte 49ers can give Jeremy Pruitt's squad a run for their money. They play in Norman. That is going to be a insanely watchable game. You have Spencer Rattler, the former top five quarterback prospect coming out for Oklahoma, now starting with Jalen Hurts gone. You have Jared Guantano or Brian Maurer get the start for the Vols. This could be a really fun game to watch. Furman, they'll get a win. Florida's a toss-up. Missouri, they should get a win. Uh, South Carolina, I think that's a toss-up. They get a bye before hosting Alabama. Then they go to Fayetteville. Then they host Kentucky. They go to Georgia. They face Troy and Vanderbilt. Again, if they get an upset, it's going to be against Florida, I think. 
And if they have a trap game, it's either Kentucky or it's South Carolina. So this is, I think, about anywhere between an 8-4 and and a 9-3 win team. But that game against Oklahoma, that game against Oklahoma, and going to Georgia, where A&M went last year, it's harder. It's a lot harder for the balls this year. 100%. You go away to your school, from your school, in an, in a time where we don't even know where fans are going to be. And if they are, they could possibly be outside the stadium trying to cheer on or something like that. There's rumors of possibly people wanting to do that kind of thing just to have the fandom going. Any one of those things could happen, which then causes teams to have that faulty you know, mechanisms on the field. You don't really know what this, what the atmosphere is going to be like. So again, I think that this is a 9-3 win team. And for A&M, they don't have a game against a top four team this year. Oklahoma, despite losing guys like Kenneth Murray and Jalen Hurts and uh, C.D. Lamb, they're still a standout team. They're easily still a standout team. So no, I do not think that A&M has a harder schedule than Tennessee. Not in the slightest. There's absolutely no way they have a harder schedule than them. Coming in next, we're going to talk about the likes of Kentucky. The toughest non-conference game for the Wildcats plays this season is in the series finale against Louisville. The rest, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, and Eastern Illinois, almost feel like a Big Ten non-conference schedule. The draw from the West features a road game against Auburn and Mississippi State. Auburn's tough, obviously, but it could have been worse. In division, the Cats get Florida, Mizzou, and Tennessee on the road, but outside of Georgia, the home state is quite manageable. So basically, when you look at Tennessee's schedule, they have Eastern Michigan. They're fine. Um, Florida, again, they're in Gainesville. I think that that's going to be a win for Florida. Kent State, South Carolina, and then Auburn before they face Eastern Illinois. They could be 4-1. and one. I think that if Terry Wilson comes back and plays well, or if Joey Gatewood can get the way to get in and play this year, which I don't think he will. I don't think he'll be able to get the, uh, the red shirt removed. But if he could, I think that they could beat Auburn. Eastern, uh, Eastern Illinois, they're going to get that win. Vanderbilt, they're going to get that win. I think they're going to beat Missouri. Tennessee is a toss-up. I think that because they're hosting Mississippi State, it's easier. Uh, Georgia and Louisville. I think they have an easier schedule than A&M because of, I think that when you look at it on paper, they got the short end of the stick. You don't know what you're going to get with Mississippi State because it's a brand new coaching system. Auburn's kind of a toss-up. The only difference between the two is that A&M... Yeah, again, AM has to go to Tuscaloosa. Florida has to go to they have to go to Florida. Uh LSU has to come to AM. Georgia has to go to Kentucky. The only difference between the two I look at right now is the fact that they have to go to Neyland Stadium. If they had to go to Kroger Field, this would immediately be a push. So I think that maybe you could say Kentucky is right there with AM and strength of schedule, but again. They don't have a really big-time game outside of Louisville, which is a rival game every year. We see it happen. It's not a surprise to see Louisville taking on Kentucky. Like, it's just one of those things. So if Louisville's really good under Scott Satterfield in year two, they're just going to be really good. I don't include those games because of they're, not, they're rival games. You see them played all the time. That's not going to make it tougher or less, less tough for a team. And again, if Terry Wilson or whoever plays quarterback can be consistent like Lynn Bowden Jr. did last year, this is a very good team in my opinion. It's a very good team.
We're going to close out with the final three teams. Who are they and how do they rank compared to a and schedule? We'll be breaking down those names in just a quick moment. I'm Brian Wilmer from Locked On ACC. I'm your boy Q from the Locked On Raiders podcast. This is Ben Stevens of Locked On Big Ten. This is Bo Brock of Locked On Cardinals. This is Zach Blackerby with Locked On Auburn. I will support you. I will listen. I will learn. I will stand with you, and I will take action. Supporting you, standing with you, amplifying your voice, and sharing your story. I will do a better job of standing up for people of color, of amplifying their voices, of listening and supporting. To end systematic oppression, police brutality, and the racial inequality that is so pervasive in this country. I'm here for anyone to talk about your story and also share my story. It's time to be better. It's time to do better for everyone. Hi, this is David Locke of Locked on Jazz. I just want to let you know that I will listen, I will hear your story, and I will support you. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked on Aggies. And like many people, I like to keep my car up to date. But with the ever-increasing numbers of Audis being made and new models coming out daily, it's impossible to stock up on the parts you need at every traditional chain front store. That's why you should go ahead and check out rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family-owned business helping out auto part customers for the past 20 years. They have everything from engine control to brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpets. So whether it's for a classic convertible or a daily driving car, Get everything you need with just a few easy clicks that will be delivered immediately to your door. The Rock Auto catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, choose the brand, specification, and the price you prefer. Plus, you're never going to beat rockauto.com's prices. They're reliably low and they're same as the professionals or do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend twice as much for the same parts at a traditional store? Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com is the place to go for your broken down car today. Give them y'all. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies for all your up-to-date information surrounding College Station and the 12th man. Three more teams to talk about before we close out today's show on the strength of schedule compared to A&M's. Here we go. Let's start off with Georgia. Georgia's 2020 schedule is very top-heavy. The West draw is not fun as it features a road game against Alabama and Auburn at home. Then, of course, there's the annual knit with Florida in Jacksonville. The rest is much more manageable, though, as the Dogs get some extra credit facing two Power 5 opponents in their non-conference slate, Virginia and Georgia Tech. Unfortunately, Georgia Tech doesn't do a whole lot based off its recent history. So, you look at Georgia's schedule, it's definitely... A lot easier than it was in recent years. They start off at uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and Mercedes-Benz Dome against Virginia. They face off against Eastern Tennessee State. Then they go to Bryant-Denny in Week 3. That's a big game. One of those teams is going to get a loss, and that's really going to hurt them in the initial college football playoff rankings. Uh, the Warhawks of Louisiana-Monroe, they host Vanderbilt. They host Auburn. They go to Mizzou. Then they take the bye week before going to TIA Bank for the greatest barbecue, the biggest barbecue in America against Florida. They travel to South Carolina. They host, um, they host Tennessee. They go to uh, Kentucky, and then they close out at home against Georgia Tech. I, it's even, in my opinion. 
both these teams have his best shot. They they're the only difference between I think Georgia and AM when you look at their schedule is Virginia was a 10-win team last year, but AM's gonna face two 10-win teams last year. So you can kind of throw that out the window. The difference is they face off against Alabama in week three. AM's biggest game of the year isn't until about week four, week five. But they both have a neutral site game against a rival. For AM, it comes in week five. I think it's against Arkansas. Theirs comes in week seven, eight against Florida. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, in week uh, week nine against Florida on uh, Halloween. So it's one of those things where you look at it and it's like, yeah, okay. Overall, I would agree. It's definitely not a, you know, it's not a harder schedule, but is it easier? Virginia is losing a lot of players. So they're Colorado. Louisiana Monroe, they're nobody. Eastern Tennessee State, if they lose that game, that's an embarrassing loss. They both play Vanderbilt. Uh, the only difference between the two is one goes to Vandy, one is at home against Vandy. They both go to Auburn. And they both have a game to close out the year against a rival. I mean, I don't see that much of a difference between the two. I think this is a push. And the only reason I would give the edge to Georgia is because of they have the neutral games. They have two neutral game sites, one against Florida and that early game against Alabama. That's the only reason you can give them the edge. Coming in at 13 on the list, next up, Missouri. The Tigers play one of the weaker non-conference schedules in the SEC this year. They get Central Arkansas, Eastern Michigan, Louisiana, and BYU with the Cougars as their only road game. They draw Mississippi State and Arkansas from the West, which is just about as good as you can hope for. In division, they get Georgia and Kentucky at home, but will have to play South Carolina, Clemson, uh, Tennessee, and Florida on the road. So you look at the schedule for Missouri. Again, it's very similar to the likes of pretty much any other team. Central Arkansas to start the year. Vanderbilt, they go to South Carolina. That's a toss-up. I'm going to give it to South Carolina right now. Eastern Michigan at Tennessee at BYU. Then they host back-to-back weeks, Georgia and Kentucky. One of those could be an upset win if Drinkwitz turns the team around really fast. Then they go to Wade Davis after uh, Halloween to face off against Mississippi State. Then they go on the road to face Florida. Louisiana, Raging Cajuns, and closing out the year against Arkansas at Arrowhead. So it's a not it's a neutral location for that one. I, I think it's easier than AMs, you know, and they have it ranked easier than AMs. I don't really have to go into that much detail. BYU is a tough game, and maybe it'll be a little tougher because of it's gonna be in Utah. But Eastern Michigan, that's an easy win. Uh, you look at a game against Central Arkansas and FCS school, that's gonna be an easy win. Or it should be, at least on paper. Vanderbilt, again, this is a toss-up game. I still think that with the home field advantage, that's a win. Tennessee, they're probably going to lose. I think they could beat either Kentucky or Georgia. There's always one upset game for Georgia. There's always one game where Kentucky looks like they're about ready to break out and they stink once again. That could be the game. Uh, Then they face Florida at Florida. And then they're at a neutral location against Arkansas. A&M has to face the likes of Alabama in Bryant-Denny Stadium to close out the year, then face off against LSU. It's an easier schedule. It's a much easier schedule for Missouri. Which means coming in at last place, and do I agree with it, is Florida. 
The Gators are the only SEC team with a projected SOS below the national average this year, though it's just barely below. The reasoning for it is pretty simple. The non-conference games doesn't carry its normal weight, while the Gators will play at Florida State to finish out the year. The Knolls don't provide as much weight as you'd expect these days. Also, the rest of the non-conference is Eastern Washington, South Alabama, and New Mexico State. While there's an annual date with LSU, the Gators draw Ole Miss from the West. The Georgia game will be a beast, but having a neutral site balance things out slightly. Also, Florida will go on only four true road games this season. The only time they'll leave the state of Florida is for games against Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Vandy. So you look at Florida's schedule. Theirs is, let's see. All right, let's pull it up. They start the year off with Eastern Washington. It's Eastern Washington since Cooper Cup and Vernon Adams haven't been there. They have not been anything. They have the game against Kentucky week two, South uh, South Alabama. Then they go to Tennessee. They host uh, South Carolina. They host LSU, which is a major factor this year for them, especially with LSU looking to either be a contender or a pretender. They're at Ole Miss. A&M played at Ole Miss last year. It's not that big of a deal. They have the biggest barbecue in the South, uh, biggest barbecue in the world on Halloween in week nine. They go to Vanderbilt. They host Missouri. They face against New Mexico State, and then they close out at Dope Walker. It's easier because of that that Florida State team right now. It's a rebuild. Willie Taggart was supposed to be the guy to fa- uh, fix Jimbo Fisher's mistakes when he left. Now Mike Norvell is starting off his seminal career in stupendous fashion, getting players pissed off at him. So there's already going to be concerns about that. New Mexico State is a much easier game than I think Colorado. It's a much easier game than I think Fresno State. They uh, LSU, you know, they both travel. LSU travels to both College Station and to uh, Gainesville this year, so not that big of a deal. I think that when you look at the home field advantage against South Carolina, they have to go to South Carolina this year for A&M. Florida gets to host them. They have to go to Tennessee. Tennessee's kind of a toss-up. Same with Kentucky, which they host. And they don't have to face off against the likes of Alabama or Auburn. So that's an easier schedule. So breaking it down one final time for this year, I think Florida, Missouri, and Georgia all have easier schedules than A&M going into 2020. Absolutely. I think Kentucky and I think you could say possibly South Carolina are a push. They're right in the middle. You could say any single one of those teams could end up with a 10-2 record. Then you have Vanderbilt, who has a harder schedule for sure, and Tennessee possibly has the hardest schedule in the SEC all around. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And make sure you listen to our sister shows here on the Locked on Podcast Network covering the conferences, including Locked on SEC, Locked on ACC, Locked on Big Ten, Locked on Big 12, Locked on Pac-12, and Locked on College Football. Tomorrow, we will have a special guest on talking about a former Aggie and what he's been doing at the NFL level this past offseason, not only due to his health concerns, but with the recent movements going on with the Black Lives Matter campaign. We have a special guest to talk to you about that. We will see you tomorrow, and giggum y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.